This is Davine coming back to you with the 4-H's of Finances. And we want to talk about things that are going to help you to identify why you do what you do a little bit deeper than we did with the money doesn't grow on trees. What I do want you to understand is these workshops are made for educational purposes only. They're not in any way to substitute going to a professional for counseling for financial advice, for tax information, but they're just strictly to engage you into the thought process of looking at things a little different. So let's get started. We've talked about the five areas of budgeting before, saving, giving, fixed expenses, flexible expenses, and taxes. Once again, remember I'm not a tax advisor, so we're gonna push that one to the side. Savings, we talked about how it's important for you to find a savings plan, whether it's starting small by saving your change or whether it's doing something big like getting the emergency fund and that six months of savings to cover those bills that you're going to accumulate through life. Savings is necessary because one day you're going to need it. Hopefully it's farther away than we think, but life does surprise us with fickle fate and sometimes it just happens and we have to figure out how to crawl out of it savings will get you there what about giving remember learning to give if you don't learn to give you'll never have enough those fixed expenses and those flexible expenses are the two areas that we're going to magnify today and why you make the choices you do because we all have innate reasons or specific reasons why we make these choices and we don't stop and think about it we just do it because of what's called muscle memory When we talked about financial literacy, we know that the ways we spend our money are through friendship. If you have a friend you want to go spend the last $5 you have because you really love being with that friend, that is sometimes a detriment to your finances. What about acceptance? You want to give everything away because you want to be accepted. You've really got to be careful of that. Those obligations. You know, you do have to have a roof over your head. You do have to eat. But you have to make wise choices in those selections. So making sure those obligations are wise choices are going to be important. What about justification? We talked about how justification is that mental gymnastics we do that we justify every purchase that we make based on certain criteria. Is it a need or want that necessity? Is it a necessity of life? If I have three jeans in my closet and I only wear jeans twice a week, I don't need 20 pair of jeans. I need three. I don't need to go buy more just because they're on sale. Think of these necessities, and I think one of the big ones that we kind of face is entitlement. We feel we're entitled to something based on something else. It's a little different than justification because justification, we're kind of worming our way into getting something, but entitlement is more of a selfish look about it, how we're approaching it. I deserve this. So think about these things as we talk about those four H's of finances. Our first thing that we're going to look at is the habits. That muscle memory, the things that we do automatically without even thinking, the instant reflex, the subconscious and the conscious desires to make those choices. Successful people are simply those with successful habits. You have to stop and think about that. Successful people are simply those with successful habits. That's what Brian Tracy said. I love that statement because it is so true. You have to watch your habits. You have to use your head, guys. You have to think about it. Why are you choosing that decision? Your schedule. 
learning to keep that calendar, that schedule is so important because it can make or break you financially based on how you've planned and prepared things. Procrastination. Time is money. Every time you put something aside, you're leaving leadway to spend more money to fill in the gaps. Or you're spending more money because you didn't plan or prepare correctly that you've got to buy it twice. Being careful that you watch that scheduling and procrastination. What about setting goals? Those methods, ideas, systems, and strategies that we use to get where we need to be. Now, I know I was lousy in sports. I just did not have it in me to be that athletic person in my family. I could cook. But my brother was a whiz at baseball. And my sister, she became a PE teacher. That gene skipped me. But on the flip side of that, their strategies to win their games, I would sit there and I would think, how do you think that far ahead to realize that 15 people are going to be running this way? But they did. They figured out how they needed to be successful to win that game. Well, you know, it's the same with business and it's same with finances. We have to figure out a strategy of what's going to prevent or protect or help us become successful in what we're trying to do. Dreams. Dreams are simply creating your own opportunities. You've got to figure out a way to create an opportunity for success, whether it's financially, whether it's in a career path, whether it's in your family, if it's in a hobby. You have got to dream about it and let it absorb inside of you so that you know you can do this. You can have that mindset we just talked about, that strategy to be successful, which is the next one, mindset. Looking at the positive things that have happened, those positive choices, and seeing how the reflex or the repercussion of that was so wonderful. And learn from those negatives. We tend to want to close those off of our mind and not think about them, but you've really got to look at the negatives. Because if you don't learn from your past mistakes, they will be repeated. So those habits are very important. Make sure you make wise choices. You know, this is another one that some people, they really don't understand when you say live frugally. They think when you say live frugally, your closet only has 10 pair of, or 10 outfits, 10 pair of whatever pieces of material in there. Or they're saying that you're the little widow woman that lives in the cupboard in the shoe. Oh, Mother Hubbard lived in a cupboard, you know, something like that. But living frugally just means that you have made the wisest choice out of your purchase. You didn't fill your cabinets or your closets with tons, but you chose only the best. If you look at it frugally like that, that changes the whole dynamic of that word, does it not? Frugal just means that it's wise. It means you could choose something else, but you choose not to. So learn to live frugally. Less is best is the best way to say it. Understand your self-worth. The habits we have to knock ourselves down and say how bad we are or give ourselves the less than buttons really hurts us. But you've got to understand your self-worth. 
These habits that we do, that we knock ourselves down all the time, will not help us be successful. They will only struggle our actions or our, our desires because we feel like we can will flounder like a fish, floundering on the deck. You've got to learn to be positive about yourself. I'm not saying being self-absorbed, all that in a bag of chips and a Coke, my aunt used to say, but it means that you know that you have value. When you look at yourself understanding your value as a person, that means you don't have to compete with somebody next to you because you know what? They have value too. And it's important for them to know you know they have value and it's important for you to know you have value too. Keep it in the right moderation of value, not above anybody, not below anybody, but equally across, you all have value. Once again, successful people are simply those that have successful habits. So habits is our first stage. Now, Stephen Covey has the seven habits of a successful person. If you've not read that book, I encourage you to do it. He even has a child version of it. That child's version is a leader in me. If your school doesn't do that program or your child's school doesn't do that program, it might be something you want to check into because successful people are positive. They compliment others. They're kind. They forgive others. They don't expect perfection out of everybody. They share their knowledge. They want to help people succeed. They want to help people thrive. They embrace change. They're not control freaks. They know there's other things to do and other ways to look at it, and they have to-do lists. They keep journals because they want to remember where they came from, and they want to remember what they need to change, and they want to remember what worked right so they don't have to make a mistake again. So think about these successful habits a person has. An unsuccessful person, they're going to be grumpy. They're going to be critical. They're going to be hateful. They don't want change. They want their world. Nobody else can get in it. They want their space. Nobody else can have it. They know what they know and they don't want to share it. You've got to be careful. Unsuccessful people are grumpy people. Successful people are happy people. Look at what makes you thrive. What are your habits? Now we're going to get into the second H, which is heredity. Like branches on a tree, you grow in different directions, but your roots remain the same. Like branches on trees, you grow in different directions, but your roots remain the same. You cannot forget where you came from. No matter how hard you want to try or how proud you are of it, your roots are always going to be there. The difference is, what are you going to learn from it? Who's raised you? Who's raising you? Who was your influencers? in life. What were your family's financial goals? Were they concerned about their finances? Were they a second and third generation person that lived on government assistance? Were they business leaders, business pillars in the community that have been looked at as somebody of influence? Were they your just average mama and daddy that came to work every day and came home every day and took care of their family. What are they? Your family had goals. I gave you three different spectrums. I gave you one that didn't think about it. I gave you the top one that were the ones that walked around and everybody knew they just, their host's body odor smelled differently because it just smelled money. And then there was the everyday person that took everyday opportunities to instill into their family. These are the three options you have. 
What was your heredity? Who raised you? And more importantly, which one do you want to be? Because those goals are so important financially. What is your general financial status? Uh, For me, I would be considered middle class. I didn't come from big money. I didn't come from no money. I came from, I have a roof over my head. I have food in my belly. I have clothes on my back. So I'm your average gal. And you know what? I'm honored to be an average gal. I have heard of people that struggle and have nothing. And I have seen people that struggle and have nothing. And you know what? My heart bleeds for them. And I have seen people that have more than enough and they hold it all to themselves. They keep it stored up in storage buildings and boxes and in rubber maids. And it's sometimes organized nice and neat with a label on it. And sometimes just thrown in there on top of the cat litter box. Where are you at? What is your general financial status? And do you understand your place and how that can be used financially for good? What about your education level? Do you understand the importance of education? Do you realize by a certain timeline, actually 2020, 89% of the job market, I believe, is going to need some sort of education, some sort of degree? I can't remember the exact figure, but I can tell you education is important. It doesn't matter if it's on the job training, vocational school, college, retraining. It doesn't matter. Your education matters. Somehow we think because we struggle or we're not smart in a certain area of going to school that we're going to be failures our whole life. You know what? That has absolutely nothing to do with it. You have to learn your learning style. Your learning styles are something that actually tells how you tick. As you can tell, I'm a verbal person. I love to listen to podcasts and webinars, and for me, it's wonderful to learn because I can repeat it over, or I can hear it repeated over and over again until it sticks in my brain because only 7% of the words I'm listening to. 36% is a voice inflection, and 56% is a body language. So if I'm not seeing their body language, I'm missing about half the conversation. So understanding those learning styles are going to be so important to us. It could be that you're a hands-on person. You have to have things hands-on. You have to know that you can do it with your hands for it to be successful. That's okay. It can be fine. You could be mathematical. You could be logical. There are many ways. I encourage you, strongly encourage you to look at those learning styles because they're going to make a huge difference in your life. If you don't stop and learn your learning style, you will struggle. And it is hard. What about musically inclined? I was a music major in college. I loved music. I mean, I put every bone and nerve and muscle to music just so I could learn it. I can remember when I was even learning scriptures, my sons would say, Mother, don't tell me you put another one to music. But that's the way I learned. I was just a musical person. What about social? Do you have to have it in groups? You know, there are some kids, they want to be all alone. You don't, they don't want to see anybody. They're a solitary learner. But then there are others that they have to have groups. Those group discussions really challenge them to do more. I will tell you that everybody has a combination of two, of two or more of these, but they're important. Learn your learning style, because if you don't, you will struggle for a long time. Now, what about your books you read? Oh, Davey, not again. Not reading again. Yes, you have to find the love to read. If you do not know that books are filled with so much knowledge for you to grow with in, 
you've got to learn to read. If you're not used to it, set an egg timer. Remember I told you set it five minutes, then do 10 minutes and 15 minutes and 20 minutes. Pretty soon you're going to be able to set for a whole hour and read and enjoy it. But it starts somewhere. You've got to learn to read because I'll tell you why you want to learn to read. Your reading helps expand your vocabulary. It helps expand your knowledge. It helps you to identify different things in life that you want or learn how to be excited about changes or differences that you might not have been exposed to before. So learning to read. Those books that you read, you're hereditary. Maybe your parents didn't read. Maybe your parents don't know how to read. There are still some out there. Doesn't matter. You have no excuse because there's always webinars and podcasts and audiobooks. So you can do something that's going to help you. Now we're told through our heredity that the more toys you have, the more successful you are. I'm going to say more toys eat your assets. More toys eat your assets. Because somebody has to clean them. Somebody has to take care of them. You know, I can remember when David and I first got married, we bought two horses. I loved horseback riding. Oh my gosh. I would go to my uncles and aunts and we would ride horses every weekend. So when I grew up, I wanted my horses. I would ride, ride, ride. Did you know in the winter, you still have to go break the water, the ice off the water so that they can drink? You can't just stay in your warm house. You have to go feed them. It doesn't matter. You have to make sure your fences are solid or they jump the fences or run through the fences or go over the fences somewhere. We had cows one time jump seven fences to go to another farm about half a mile down the road. My point is, all of these things we have have to be taken care of. I'm not saying don't want. I'm saying want it enough that you're willing to do the work to take care of it because it's going to be important. Overspending. Some people are passed down through time that you're just supposed to overspend. Everybody's in debt. I think that's what you always hear is, you know, you're always going to be in debt. You're always going to owe somebody. You might as well owe for what you want. That's what they say. So they overspend. Where is it that you have to overspend? Why can't you say, I'm sorry, I can't today. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't feel like it today. You know what? It's my choice to say no. You can practice that. No, no. No, it's so important, however you got to do it. You know, the other day I thought about that, and I was working, and I was doing all this stuff, and I thought, I've got to slow down. If I don't slow down, I'm going to have a heart attack. It's just constantly going and doing, and you have to learn those two letters have such power in them that will keep you from overspending. Eggs in a basket. You know, I, you know now I live on a farm. We have chickens, yes, and we have eggs. My husband has a hook right over the trash can in the laundry room where he puts the eggs every evening. And my job is to go get the eggs and wash them and put them in the refrigerator. Well, if I'm procrastinating, I remember that earlier one. If I'm procrastinating and I don't do my eggs that day and I go to throw something in the trash, yes, I'm cleaning up about eight eight egg yolks off of the floor because the trash can lid hits the basket and all this junk just goes all in the floor. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, guys. Financially, emotionally, you've got to learn to spread it out. Don't keep everything hoarded to the side in one basket because you could lose it all. What about pride or devalued? 
Some people are very prideful, like we talked earlier. They feel like they're all that in a bag of chips with a Coke. And then you've got some that feel like they're the trash that you threw everything away. And that's where they belong is in the trash. How you're raised does not give you the power to feel devalued or super indulged. You've got to learn to be wise and balanced and just respectful and humbly grateful for who you are and what you have to do. And what about your circumstances? You know, we could sit here all day and we could talk about the different scenarios of life. And your different circumstances that you're born in does not identify who you become. Over and over again, I hear, I was born in this, or I was raised here. And in doing so, they feel like their circumstances have brought them down. You've got to look past it. You have got to realize that you have abilities and strengths within yourself, or you're honing them in for stronger strengths. Your hereditary traits or background does not identify you. You identify who you're going to be. Like branches of a tree, you grow in different directions, but your roots remain the same. So you still have to be solid in who you are, and you learn from where you came from, but you grow and blossom into beautiful beings. All right, we're going to go back to hand-picked. That's our third H, hand-picked. Decisions are guided by well-thought-out plans. So our little statement we're going to say is, The worst battle you will fight will be between what you feel and what you know. The worst battle you will fight will be between what you feel and what you know. Do you know only 3% of the negative stuff happens in our lives, but we spend 97% of our time worrying about it? You have to handpick your decisions. Your decisions are guided by the well-thought-out plan that you have. So that means pick your friends well. Your friends are going to be one of the most important decisions you make because they will either bring you up or tear you down. What about a vision board? Has anybody heard of a vision board? When I was in college, they had me do a vision board based on who helped me become who I am. Instead of it being what I wanted to be in the future, they made me write a paper on that. They wanted to know how I got there, how I got to where I am at that point in my life. So I had to go back in all my scrapbooks and I had to find pictures of people that would influence my life. It could have been a pastor's wife. It could have been a friend. It could have been an aunt. And actually, it was all of those. It was my parents, my grandparents. It was a bunch of friends. It was a bunch of workers, co-workers that I worked with. And I had, a, I think it was a 12 by 15 board completely filled with the people that have loved me and invested in my life. So handpicking those friends are important. And getting that vision board that not only lets you see how you got to where you are now, but go ahead and do another one. Do an A, B, and C, like the fall, spring, summer. Do another one that says, this is where I want to be. And 10 years from now, do it again. Show where you have achieved it, where you've successfully completed that path. Get your fall, spring, and summer boards out and get it started. Write it down. If you don't write down your plans, you will not solidify it in your brain. And I can guarantee you writing down your plan is going to help you accomplish it a whole lot faster than if you just think about it. Then you just say, well, yep, okay. Mentally, it's in there somewhere. Let me retrieve it. What was that again I wanted to do 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? 
write it down. Keep it someplace. If you need a little crib note so that you can be reminded, put it in your billfold. Better yet, put it in wherever you put your debit or credit card. Your little cheat sheet that says, this is what I want the most out of life. What about your personal convictions? Did you handpick your personal convictions? What guides you ethically, morally, financially? Did you handpick those personal convictions or did you just allow them to develop over time? Remember what we talked about muscle memory? We didn't nearly identify it, did we? We didn't say what it meant. Muscle memory is when you're doing something repeatedly over and over again. In a nervous situation, your basic general instinct is going to be you're going to do that very same thing. So your muscle memory helps your personal convictions because you've already thought it. You've already wrote it. You've already said it. If A happens, B is going to take place. If A happens, I don't want B. I've got to go to D. Well, you know what? That's two steps further. If you didn't solidify that in your plans, you're not going to accomplish D because your basic instinct's going to be B. So you've got to make sure that your muscle memory is in play and you've handpicked your personal convictions and you've followed it through. What about your career goals? What about your financial goals? Did you handpick them or did somebody select them for you? I know people that their parents said, this is what you're going to be when you grow up. Or this is what you should be when you grow up. You know what? Little hearts are so tender and they have a wealth of opportunity ahead of them. But if somebody has stifled them by saying you're going to or you have to, there's nothing wrong with saying you're good at this, you're good at that. But to say you have to or you're going to or you will, I mean, other than brushing our teeth and taking showers, that's a different story. We're not talking those choices, but we're talking when you grow up and you're choosing what you want to be, whether you're growing up at 50 or whether you're growing up at 20 or whether you're growing up at five, we're all growing up, guys. There's going to be. Uh, just an extension of our life every day until the day we stop breathing. So we're always growing up. Make sure your goals are wrote down and solidified and memorized so that you can do it. What about your strengths and weaknesses? Now you say we can't handpick our strengths and weaknesses and you have a, a, a moderate point there. But I'm going to challenge you to something. If I have a natural talent that's my strength, I choose to strengthen it by working on it. Or I choose to just let it stay my natural talent. What about my weaknesses? My weaknesses could be detrimental. If I just allowed my weaknesses to just evolve, my hand-picked nature would just allow that to just in some ways, could destroy you financially. If you're a shopaholic or you shop emotionally or you eat emotionally, I say that because I could eat a whole package of Nutter Butter cookies in one setting if nobody pulled them away from me. So we all have it in our lives. We have that weakness. We have to shore it up. We have to figure out a way to make it not quite as weak. It might still be a weakness, and it will be. But it doesn't mean it has to defeat us. So look at those strengths and weaknesses. The worst battle you will fight will be between what you feel and what you know. So be careful of that. Those hand-picked choices are so important. Hazards. Hazards is our last H. 
hazards are those financial pitfalls or potholes that we're going to have that are our holes in our pocket. could be our health. Did you not exercise today? I didn't yet, but I'm going to. Procrastination. Once again, I didn't yet, but I'm going to. Is it a decision? Those procrastinations will get us. What about running out of money? Remember what brought me on this journey was sitting across from widows and they didn't have enough money to buy medicine and groceries? They ran out of money? What about the unstable economy? We can't change that or do that. We can plan for that and do as best we can. But there's a certain point to the unstable economy that we have no control over. Just like inflation. We have no control over. One day I might be paying two fifty for a gallon of gas, and the next day I might be paying $4.35 for that same gallon of gas. So inflation can really hurt us. Here's the biggie. No financial plan. Somehow you just thought it would happen. You would survive, and you had no financial plan. The true you shows through a financial crisis. The true you shows in a financial crisis. Having no financial plan hurts. What about your want list? That's a hazard, a bad hazard, because we all want a lot of things. So the true you shows in a financial crisis. So at the end, what I'm going to talk to you about is safeguarding your spending. Write your budget worksheet that we had talked about. Also, write your goals in financial, personal, career, family, physical, education. Write those plans down. How to safeguard it. Carry cash. Just flat out carry cash. Nobody says carry this big old hunk of wallet. You don't have to carry it all at the same time. But just know what you're willing to spend. Set that limit, what you're going to spend that day. On a big purchase, wait 24 hours. If somebody's going to buy it out from under you, it wasn't meant for you to have it. It's okay. Start a wish list. I want this. I want this. Work towards saving for that wish list and paying cash for it. Watch your emotional state of purchasing things. A lot of people, they just think that that quick fix is going to give them the band-aid to their emotional heart, and it doesn't. You know, my husband's making me do this now about how I eat because of them cookies that he found out about. But write down your spending, too, because if you write everything you spend down, you will not. I got a little app. Every time I spend money, it sends me this little bleep. I'm like, oh, no, because I have everything connected to my debit card, and it lets me know when I've used it, and I write funny codes for everything, so I'll remember, so it'll, like, pop up when that happens, and I'm thinking, oh, so be careful. You know, if you are planning on going back to college, there are several investments. Free application for federal student aid, FAFSA. It's the government's investment into your life. What about a scholarship? That's a donor's investment into your life. What about student loan? That's your investment into your life. And if you get a job, that's your investment into your life as well. And if you're still of the age that your parents can do a Parent PLUS loan, that's their investment into your future. When you're paying for college, there are ways to go. But you have to make sure that you plan, once again, wisely for those. Don't neglect your training, guys. Whether it's in your job, whether it's going to college, whether it's the clubs and civic organizations you're involved in, your personal interactions with other people, the disciplines that you learn through working as a team, the time management that you do all makes a difference. Finding mentors in those different interactions are very important. Somebody you can look up to. I'm going to again tell you, read, read, read. Your reading material is important and plan for fun. I hope today's workshop was once again fun and informative. I should have found an H word for that, but we got happy fun. So I hope your workshop was happy 
as you covered the four H's and made it the fifth one. We hope you'll come back again and listen to workshops with Zoe's Club. Once again, have a great day. Zoe's Club, Zoe's Club, we come together in Zoe's Club. We're saving money, it's so much fun, all in Zoe's Club. Reading, learning, sharing time, saving, spending, and being kind. All in Zoe's Club. Contact Ozark Federal Credit Union at 573-686-7221. Membership eligibility required. Federally insured by NCUA.